closing out this My Crazy Family series. Have you enjoyed this? Come on, I think it's been good. It's been really good. We've adopted, if you will, a, uh, an anthem or a declaration uh, that I'm, I'm just asking you to hold on to. We've done this each week in the four weeks of this series, but I pray after this series that you just hold on to the promise of this reality that your family doesn't have to be crazy. There will be crazy moments. There will be crazy seasons. But your family, the legacy of your home, the legacy of your last name does not have to be labeled as crazy. Can I get an amen? And so I'm just praying for you as we close out this series today that you, would on, you hold on to the promise that while the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he would love to divide your house right down the middle and just create chaos and craziness, the beautiful promise of Jesus in John 10.10 10 is that Jesus comes that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And I want you, with the beautiful family that you have, to walk in all of the promises of God. Family's not a neutral, emotionally neutral word. A lot of dynamic with family. Some of you, you have great memories and experiences of families. Others of you have great hurt and baggage that come with family. But God gave you your family. You're in that family on purpose, for purpose. And I pray that through this series, you hold on to some truths from God's word and that you understand the, the revelation of why you are a part of that crazy family. Come on. And then we adopted this verse. It's 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 8. We're laying this over the context of the family unit, the family dynamic. And the Bible says, above all, so come on, above all the fighting, above all the stress, above all the challenges, above all the difficulties of raising children, above all the, the teenage years, come on, parents of teenagers, above all the unwashed clothes, the, you know, I don't know, for, I'm, I'm thinking of our kitchen right now, of all the dishes that Kimberly needs to do. Come on, somebody. You know, of all the bills that you have to pay, just above all of that, above all of that, here's, here's the commitment that you have to make. Come on, listen to me. Keep loving each other. Just keep loving one another in spite of issues and challenges. And again, there's a, a wide variety of circumstances that you're faced with, but choose to love one another because for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we've experienced the love of God and how his love has covered a multitude of our sin. So as we choose love over our family, over our spouse and children, etc., that love will cover a multitude of their mistakes as well. Can I get a good amen? So here, here's the whole outline, and today we'll close it out. We've talked about the craziness of family. That was the introduction. We've talked about crazy marriages. Last Sunday, we talked about crazy kids. Go back online, listen to the podcast, check out the YouTube channel if you missed any week, or maybe you want to share those. Today, though, we're going to talk about money. And uh, this is a big stress in families. This is a big tension point in households and in marriages. And regardless of where you find yourself and your kind of relationship journey, I think a message on money is applicable for anybody. The, the, the stress of money is a very real thing, and we're going to unpack all of that today. So as we jump into this, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to ask that you pray for me, and that God would meet us here. Can I get a good amen? So, Father, we invite your spirit into this room. I pray that you would let every word from my mouth and every beat of my heart be acceptable in your sight. It is not my intent to stand on this platform and to pretend like I've got it all together or I have it all figured out. I am a work in progress in every one of these areas that we've talked about through this crazy family series. And today is no different. But I know what it's like to grow up in a home that has wrestled with financial bondage. I know what it's like to inherit bad financial behaviors and put our family 
in positions in the past where we couldn't do the things that we heard God telling us to do because we were trapped as slaves to money. And I pray for people that are listening today, whether they're in a, a physical campus or listening online, that there would be freedom today in this house. Your word tells us that whom the Son set free is free indeed. That's a desire of your heart. So set us free today. We've got to open up our minds, open up our hearts. We need a new perspective and a greater discipline. But today, we walk out of here different. We refuse to allow money to hold us in bondage. Come on. We refuse to allow finances to be a primary factor of the enemy causing divorces and families to split and people to even take their own life. No, Lord, that's not what you had in mind. What you have in mind is a life of blessing. Not so that we can be selfish with that blessing, but you want to bless us so that we can bless others. So teach us something from your word today, and we'll be forever grateful for it. In the most powerful name we pray, come on, that's the name of Jesus. And together, everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's give Jesus the highest praise. Can we do that? I love it. I hope you're able to take some notes today. If you're at a campus, there's a sermon note card in the seat back pocket right in front of you. If you want to take out your smartphone and open up the note application, I encourage you to do that. Just don't get distracted with text messages and social media and asking where you're going to go to lunch. Come on now. But I want you to take some notes today, and let's start off with this thought. And I think we've all been here at at least one moment in our life to this reality that money is fun when you got some. Who can testify to that? You can do a lot of fun things when you've got money. Some of you are like, I don't have any money and I'm still having fun. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But throughout this series, I've tried to share with you some uh, social media, you know, posts or comments or messages that people have sent me about the craziness of their family. So today I went online in preparation of today, rather, to show you some things that people have done with money. Some fun things, some dumb things. Come on, show of hands. How many of you have ever done something really dumb with your money before every hand should go up? I see that lady in the back nudging her husband right now. Um, I'll show you some fun things, some dumb things. Here's one. It's a few years ago. One eBay user paid $3,000 for an imaginary friend. Come on. <laughs> so if you need an imaginary friend and you're willing to pay this much, I'm selling. Come on, somebody, right? How many of you know the, the musical artist Beyonce? Come on, you know Beyonce. Some of you are like, can I admit to that in church? Come on, where are all my single ladies at? Come on, all my single ladies? All my single, anybody? Nobody got that joke? Wow, it's going to be a long sermon if you ain't laughing early. In 2007, Beyonce took the stage at the BET Awards. I've been invited there. And um, she wore a pair of leggings, a pair of leggings. Her leggings on that stage in 2007 cost more than a college education. She, this is true. You can Google this if you think I'm lying to you. She spent over $100,000 on a pair of legging pants. That's what I said. Good grief, you know. Uh, these, these, I'd like to model these Target pants that I'm wearing today. Come on, somebody. How many of you know about that clearance rack? Can I get a good amen on the clearance rack? Ain't no shame in my game. I can't even afford socks. Come on now. This is bad. I mean, she's spending $100,000 on pants. Buy your pastor some socks. Come on. <laughs> one time, somebody, some of you may remember, I remember this one. Somebody spent $28,000 on a grilled cheese sandwich because it resembled the Virgin Mary. I don't, they have too much money. That is crazy. All right, let me ask the room here. Germantown is where everybody online participate. Let's identify the different generations. I love the diversity of Go Church. I love the diversity when it comes to our faith backgrounds 
I love the diversity when it comes to our ethnicity, but I also love the diversity of age and the different generations. Can I tell you that's a beautiful church? Can I tell you that's a healthy church? Can I tell you that's God's church? Come on, help me preach now. So where are all, my, where are all of my uh, baby boomers at? Come on, just own that, baby boomers. Come on. Some of you are like, I'm not going to admit that I'm a baby boomer, but okay, some of you. All right, this is my age group. Where are all of my Generation X folks at? There we go, Generation X. Some of you, you're lying. You're in baby boomers, but you just want to, you just want to feel younger. I know who you are. All right, where's all of the, and listen, this age group gets a ton of like flack, but I love the millennial generation. Come on, where are the millennials at? Come on. You know it's them because they're yelling. They're yelling. They're like, woo, here I am, wild and free, baby. Not a care in the world. Man, it's just it's so great you got up this early. And uh, I kid, I digress. Let me show you, though, because I want you to see this. When it comes to the bondage of finances, the enemy has worked his way into every single generation. And this will sound a little redundant because it is, but the enemy wants you to be a bondage to money, a slave to money, so that when God tells you to do what he's called you to do, you have to say no because of the financial pressure that you're under. And the enemy loves that and the tension that comes with that. So this, is, this isn't a particular generational stronghold. This is generation after generation. So I don't want to bore you with statistics. I'm going to give you three different things and because statistics can get a little overwhelming, but let me just show you this chart. A lot of the information today is from Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace University. If you don't know about Dave Ramsey, listen to his radio show, go to fpu.com, great resource. But you can see from baby boomers all the way to millennials, the amount of debt, college debt for the baby boomer generation, hovering right around $50,000, the same for Generation X, because we're competitive. We're not gonna let anybody beat us in anything, okay? Um, you see the baby boomer car note, about 14,000, credit card, 7,600. Generation X, we want a nice car, so that car loan is a little bit higher. And then we've just become overwhelmed with the spending tendency of just, you know, buy now, pay later. Now, for those of you that are millennials, you're looking at your chart, you're thinking, man, we're doing really good. The scary reality is this, though. You, you've been alive a lot less longer, and you are on a dangerous pace a dangerous pace of debt collection that will destroy you. So while it looks like you're ahead of the game, think about the age of your generation and how fast they are uh, accumulating debt. Does that make sense? Let me give you two more stats to consider here. I read an article uh, earlier in the week from Zero Hedge that said there's a record of 34% of all household income in the United States now comes from the government. I want this to sink in for just a moment. This is scary. I mean, what happens when the government stops printing money? Now, I'm not making a political statement. This is the, the last administration in this administration. It's like they just walk in there like, print it. Press print. They're just passing out money. And now 34% of all household income in America comes from the government. And then, of course, before the pandemic, the global pandemic hit, uh, many Americans were living paycheck to paycheck, but since COVID came into our world, 63% of Americans are now living paycheck to paycheck. So let me just unpack this for a moment. So what happens if the government, government stops giving stimulus checks or unemployment stops? What happens if, and I'm not speaking this over you, I'm just trying to have a conversation, what happens if you lose your job? 
Now all of a sudden, what? You're not going to be able to pay your rent. You're not going to be able to pay your mortgage. Uh, you won't be able to pay the car note. You won't be able to, God forbid, buy groceries. Uh, you won't be able, in some situations, to fill prescription medications. I, I want you to see that the trend that we're on as a society is incredibly dangerous. Not just at a spiritual level, which is an, the whole point of our conversation today and where we'll, we'll go, but on every single level. And if you go back thousands of thousands of years ago, the wisest man who ever lived, Solomon, talked about the very reality that we're living in as a country today. He said, watch, he said, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. I'd like to do this probably a few times throughout today just to keep some crowd participation because I don't want this money talk to be a boring talk. But let's read this together on three. You ready? One, two, three. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Now, I want to highlight a couple of these words here, and I'm not trying to impress you with Old Testament Hebrew language, but I want you to understand the weight of the conversation around who is the borrower, who is the slave, and who is the lender. So this is a guilt-free zone, all right, judgment-free zone. But if you owe anybody money, you are a borrower. And in many contexts, what happens is you become a slave to the one that you've borrowed the money from, the lender. Does that make sense? It's why, it's why we all live in small homes, but banks have the biggest buildings. Because we are a slave to them. Does that make sense? Now, the Hebrew word for slave is the word ebed. And literally, again, Google it, it is translated as to be in bondage. To be in bondage. So for those who have borrowed money, you become a slave. You become in bondage to the one that borrowed you the cash. And we see this all day, every single day. People being trapped, handcuffed, in prison, financial prison, because they've borrowed money to buy something that they probably didn't really need. And we, we, have, we have to address and identify the difference of wants versus needs. Uh, we've complicated that, and it shouldn't be complicated. And again, I'm going to give you, I hope it's okay today, I'm going to give you some very practical things, some biblical things. We're just going to have an honest conversation about, about money. Can I get a good amen? Because there's an old saying, mo money, mo problems. Come on, somebody. Let me give you four biblical values of money. I hope you write these down. Four gospel-centered biblical values about money. And it starts with, all of these are equally important, but it starts with embracing the value of self-control. Embracing the value of self-control. Learning how to say no. Learning how to turn down the discount or the deal or the thing that you want for something that outweighs a desire in your heart in the future. Now, I don't know when this shifted, but there was a generation of people, and if you're, you know, 65 years plus, maybe 60 plus, you remember this old rule on spending, especially, you know, for families prior to the Great Depression, this was just a rule of thumb, and, and here it is. This is how people used to live their life, all under the idea of self-control, that if you didn't have money to buy something that you wanted, you, you weren't allowed to buy it. Now, there are some people in the room that are, like, flipping out right now, like, what kind of church is this? What kind of message are you preaching? What is happening here? So, before pandemonium breaks out, let me tell you what I think you and I need to embrace. 
You're not allowed to buy things that you can't afford. Come on. <laughs> this is called, I got three people clapping, but because some of you are like, dang it, he got me again. If you can't afford it, you shouldn't buy it. And let me, let me tell you what's happening, okay? Again, I'm not, I'm not preaching down at you. I'm, I, I want to build you up, not tear you down. But what we're seeing happen in front of us is we're raising up a generation of self-entitled, I deserve, I want, I need, lacking the reality of the consequences of poor financial decisions. We're raising up a generation of pretenders. Pretenders are this. Pretenders are people that they've got all the stuff, and so you and I see all the stuff. Have you ever driven through a neighborhood and you think, how do people afford these homes? Most of them can't afford their homes. They're pretenders. You see people driving these really nice cars, and you think, how do they afford that? They can't afford it. They're pretenders. So on the outside, they're very showy with all the things that they have, but what you don't see is the debt and the weight of the financial pressure that they're under. So they just they pretend. Again, Solomon addresses that very group of people and he says some people what come on help me out some people pretend to be rich but they have nothing so because they are a slave to the lender they put on this front like they've got all of these things which by the way can i just preach for a minute what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul, like have priorities. And I, God wants you to desire nice things, but stop pretending to be something that you're not. As a matter of fact, if you would just own up to the reality of your financial situation, there could be freedom and that swallowing of your pride and admitting that, man, we're on the fast track to nothing and to nowhere. Is this okay today? So when COVID hit, our school systems uh, had to make incredible shifts in audibles and so all around the country zoom just took off you wish you would have bought stock in zoom come on now zoom took off and uh homeschool that began to be a very real thing for for parents and families so in about october-ish of 2020 there was this video some of you when you see it here in a moment you'll you'll remember it right away because it went viral and it's of a little boy who's at his dining room table and he's doing a math problem and he's, he's, I'm going to show you the video. It's 15 seconds long. If you like it, I'll show it to you again. Come on, because I'm in a real good mood today. Um, but he preaches a message about money in 15 seconds that is far more powerful than the 45 minutes that I'm preaching to you today. All right, so you want to watch the little video? I think, you'll find it, I think you'll find it cute. All right, check out this video. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jay broke. <laughs> we gotta watch you got alright, hold on, hold on. Let's turn the volume up. You gotta watch it again. This I'm telling you, it's the best fifteen seconds of this whole sermon, so alright, tell us, young man, tell us the truth. Jaden has one dollar bill, one quarter, and two pennies. How how much money how much money does he have? Jaden broke. <laughs> <laughs> T 
turn to somebody and say, Jaden broke. Just tell them, Jaden broke. It's a bunch. <laughs> Have a great Sunday. God bless you all. Thank you. This is a Jaden generation. Jaden is broke, but he pretends to be rich. And here's the reality, regardless of what generation you find yourself in from baby boomers all the way down to millennials and sandwiched in between his generation X, at some point over something, a little demonic child that lives within you will surface. We talked about parenting last week and we see kids all the time. I told you, don't, don't take your kids to Walmart or to the grocery store, but at some point you've all seen that little kid that is throwing a temper tantrum over the toy that they wanted. Remember, we had that conversation. Let's bring it back into this week. But at some point in our adult life, that little kid just comes to life. And we just want that toy. And the toy changes from one generation of a yo-yo to now a day's a brand new iPhone. And then it moves into adulthood when it's like, well, well I want a new car. Well. Well, I want a 65-inch plasma screen touch television. Well, I want, I want, and this is so dangerous. And you've got to figure out a way how to bring self-control to this inner child that at times will manifest again and push you to buy things you don't need and to purchase things you can't afford. Can I get three people to give me a good amen? Let me, let, me talk to the, let me talk to the ladies and the guys for just a second here. So, Ladies, and I'll use my wife as an example. It, it's hard to be a pastor's wife and pastor's kids because I got stories for days, you know, in my crazy family. So I'll make you a deal, babe. I'll tell a story about you, and then I'll tell a story about me. Is that fair? I'll have to think of one about me, but I'll get there. I've got, I got a few minutes here. So Kimberly, and this is, this is for all of the ladies. You, someone needs to tell you, and the Lord, thus saith the Lord, to the man of God, it has now been appointed unto me to give you a word from heaven. Thus saith the Lord. Just because you saved 30%. I need every man to help me because I'm on an island all by myself. Come on. Just because you saved 30% does not actually mean you saved anything. Kimberly will come in. She's like, thank you. Thank you, sir. God bless you. I speak blessing over you. Come on. Just because you say, Kimberly will come and she's like, oh, I saved 30%. And then I feel like I have to go through an economics course. I'm like, did you spend a dollar? Yeah, I spent a dollar, but I saved. And I'm like, babe, no. If you spent anything, you saved nothing. Come on, guys. How many of you know you're with me on that? Like, that is just true. Now, all the ladies are like, oh, oh no, he did. And your stilettos, wearing your stilettos right now. Just because you get a deal doesn't mean it's a deal. Just because it's on sale. Everything is on sale. You know, you know why it's on sale? Because they've marked it up so high to begin with. Let me tell you, I love when people are they're like, I, got, I bought a car, but I got a great deal. No, you never got a great deal on a new car. You've never driven off that, that dealership lot, and those car salesmen are like, man, they really got a good deal. Wow, they really took us through the ringer today. Now, you drive off, and all of them are like, suckers, got them. Now, guys, all right, ladies, come on, let's talk about it, guys. Any ladies with me? Come on, I'm trying to, win, trying to win back friends, okay? Guys are the complete opposite, though. So what guys do, at least this is what I do, is 
I nickel and dime my family to death. So I just, every, I get frustrated over everything. I mean, I don't understand how you can, literally, my family will leave every single light in the house on, every light. And I feel like my children will go into rooms that are unlit and turn on the light. You know, and I'm like, what is wrong with these? You know, we run the air condition and the heat, and I'm turning into my, my parents because they stand there. My son will stand there at the refrigerator. You know, I'm like, where are you raised in a barn? I told you, that's what my family used to say to me, you know? And so I watch everything. I remember the other day, we, I took them out to dinner, and, you know, I grew up in a different home, and that's not a criticism. My mom was a single mom. She's watching online today. Shout out to all the single parents. There's a hustle to that grind, and I just grew up in a different upbringing, and so to go out to eat when I was a kid was a really big deal. I guess a really big treat. And our home, to get a home-cooked meal is a really big deal. That's a really nice treat, you know. <laughs> I told Lakeland the other day, I was like, hey, come on inside. I'm cooking dinner. He goes, are y'all getting a divorce? What's wrong? Is everything okay? Is everybody all right? What's happening? But the other day, we go out to lunch, and I don't know. I was just in that dad mood, you know, and they hardly ate anything. And I'm like, do you understand how expensive chicken fingers are? And I'm like, you will eat them chicken fingers if it's the last meal you ever have. I will not buy you another meal until you eat all those chicken fingers. My kids are crying. I'm like, I've taught them a lesson. I will, I will, come on, ladies, how many of you know that can be a man? Like, I just will nickel and dime. But then all of a sudden, one day I'll wake up and I'll come inside and I will become the nuclear bomb of spending. It just happens. I wake up, I'm like, we're getting a new car. And a new timeshare. We're going to Disney World. And Kimberly's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, I don't know. But every bit of our savings we are spending today. <laughs> right now. Go get them shoes. And when they say they're 30%, demand to pay full price. You are not to be discounted, Kimberly. You are not a discount kind of girl. I'm just like, she's like, what is wrong with you? Have you seen your therapist lately, you know? But guys, just flip the script. That inner child and in every single one of us one day just shows up. And if you don't have the discipline of self-control, listen to me, lean in for a second. It takes a moment, a moment. That's how they get you in the, you know, department stores. Well, if you open up a credit card, it'll save you 20%. So, this is why I told one lady, Kimberly hates when I do this. Oh, it'll save me. It'll save me 20%. Because oh, I thought there was interest and all of that, wow, you guys are making a great deal here. At some point, if you don't have self-control, this inner child, and in a moment, in a moment of your flesh overriding the spirit, you can make bad, bad, bad financial decisions. I could stay on this value all day, but let me give you a thought that Dave Ramsey says all the time. This is, this is like the meat of his whole you know, curriculum and talk. You have to learn to say what? Come on, say it like you mean it. You have to learn to say what? And that's only for a little while. You have to learn to say no for a little while so you can say what? Yes. For the rest of your life. So embrace the value of self-control. Let, let's tie all of these thoughts together. Now you have to embrace the value of sacrifice. Of sacrifice. If there is a central theme of the gospel, it is a sacrificial theme. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Sacrifice his one and only son, so that all who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting eternal life. Hebrews 12, 2 talks about Jesus. The Bible says, let us, I know I'm talking about money, 
But if you get any thought today, let it be this thought in this verse. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Through all the COVID stuff, through all the politics stuff, through all the family craziness, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added unto it. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. On the count of three, shout Jesus. One, two, three. He is the author and perfecter of our faith who for the joy before him endured the cross. Two things were before Jesus. Death and the cross. So what was the joy in that? What is joy in death? And what is joy in enduring the old right cross? Here it is. Jesus knew that through his sacrifice of his life on that cross, the joy is knowing that there is eternal salvation for those who would believe. So this idea of embracing the value of sacrifice, I mean, it's, it's biblical. It's the theme of Christianity. So let me give you a working definition. Sacrifice is giving up something you love for something you love even more. So I'm, I'm going to say no for a little while so I can say yes for the rest of my life. So I'm going to give up something that I love for something that I love even more. Again, I'm a practical kind of communicator. So let's just be honest. I know you love Netflix. I know you love Hulu. I know you love Disney Plus. I know that you've saved money because you bundled that together. Right? So you get the whole, I got the whole package. I mean, subscription companies, it's a brilliant business. Subscription companies of all kinds make millions and billions of dollars every single year. So I know that you love Hulu. I know you love YouTube TV. I know you love to, to Netflix and binge watch and all of that. But embracing the value of sacrifice is I'm going to give up those things for a little while because what I love even more is no credit card debt. Now, that's not attractive to pay off credit card debt, but it will put your family from your children to your children's children in a much better position than spending $25 a month on all of your monthly television subscriptions. Now, again, there's a generation, some who could even still be listening today that they will tell you, you can grow up without watching TV. TV is a want. It's not a need. This isn't critical. We had some, somebody reach out uh, a few months back for benevolence because they needed to pay their direct TV bill. Let me tell you, I'm not going to help you with direct TV. I'm not. Cut the cord. Turn it off. You don't have water. You don't have power. You don't have food. Different story. With the church, but I'm not. I'm not here to pay, you know, direct TV bills. Now you're quiet, and that's cool. But are you willing to sacrifice the things that you love? Some of you, you love Starbucks, way too much. We don't even call it Starbucks. We call it five bucks. Because every drink is five bucks. You know, and I get it. Like, well, I I have to have my venti, you know, brown sugared oat milk ice drink every day, or I can't function. Listen to me. Buy yourself a Keurig. Get you some Cafe Bustello. Come on, y'all don't know. You don't know. Thank you. You just felt the Holy Spirit up in here. Make your own coffee and take that money that you spend, if you did the math on $5 every day, and then, and then add on to it. Now I'm not going to go get lunch or buy lunch. I'm going to bring my own lunch. Yeah, I, I know. Well, I... I don't, want, I don't want my coworkers to think. What do, you, what do you want them to think? You're a pretender then. I walk in there with a brown bag and be like, hey, at the end of the day, I brought my own lunch because I'm getting out of debt. Yeah. 
because I've got a future tomorrow that I'm working on. So y'all go out to eat. I can't even, even now, there are so many times, some of our team are like, we're going out to eat, you want to go? I'm like, you know what, we meal prepped. We meal prepped. Now, I can justify a five, six, seven, eight dollar, nine, twelve, Chick-fil-A, fifteen dollar, you know, spicy chicken sandwich. I only pay that much at Chick-fil-A because it is anointed by God. It is God's chicken. I feel like when I buy it, it's like a part of my tithe. My tax guy called me the other week. He was like, hey, I see in like your, your, you know, charitable contributions, you have, you know, X amount of dollars to this nonprofit called CFA. And I'm like... Does that count, Chick-fil-A? So that's what CFA is. Okay, anyway. <laughs> Meal prep. Now, now all of a sudden you're not spending $10 for lunch and $5 for a coffee and $15, to, $15 times 30, 31 days in a month. Invest that into a Roth IRA. Listen to me. Okay, so again, people don't want to say I'm in bondage, but they are. And if you embrace the value of self-control and sacrifice, You'll begin to learn, I want to get you in a position where you can, you can give freely and generously, not just to your local church, but again, I said this in my prayer, God wants to bless you so you can be a blessing. There are hungry children all around this globe, hungry kids that go without food and clean drinking water, and we got a $200 a month Starbucks tab. Just our priorities are out of line. Okay, so here's the question. It's rhetorical. Don't answer aloud but only you can answer it. Are you willing to give up something you love for something you love even more? You wanna, you wanna retire one day, whatever that looks like? What are you giving up now, today, in order to put yourself in that position tomorrow? So again, you have to go through, you have to go through your entire bank statement, your credit card statement. And I say this all of the time. You show me your, your debit card statement, your credit card statement, your balance, all of that. I'll tell you where your heart is. I'll tell you where your heart is. Because wherever you put your treasure, your heart will be. There are some things in all of our lives, JCs included, that we can cut. We can have self-control. We can sacrifice. We can give up because there's something that we love even more. Does that make sense? Everybody good? Come on, if you're good, give Jesus some thanks. Come on. All right. Check him. Two more. Now you got to embrace the value of planning. You have to embrace the value of planning. I love what Jesus says in Luke 14. Let's go back a couple thousand years ago. Jesus is talking. I don't always give you the translation uh, of the message version of the Bible, but I like the way that this one was worded. And look at the wild accuracy of what Jesus says in the Gospel of Luke compared to what's happening today. The housing market is wild. Okay, if you want to build a house, lumber is literally, no pun intended, through the roof. Okay. That was funny, though. <laughs> that made me laugh. Okay, I mean, do you put a house on the market? You can sell your house, but what you going to buy? You can't afford anything, so you can sell it, and then where are you going to go? They put houses on the market. People are buying homes without sight unseen. And people are putting a bid on a house, and they're getting outbid by percentages that are way higher than even the value of the home. The scary part of that is, is that people are paying for homes that once was a great long-term plan of retirement, but they're paying for homes that they will never see the return of that value again. 
Does that make sense? So Jesus says, listen to me, because there are some of you, you're looking at building a home or you're buying a home, and Jesus says, hold on, wait a minute. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure out the cost so you'll be able to know if you can complete it? Can you afford it? I mean, is the decision that you're making, is it something that you can actually financially afford? And again, I've been a pretender before, and there have been moments where I've thought, well, we need, we need this kind of house because I want my kids, da, da, da. My kids don't care about what kind of house we have. They really don't. Oh, man, I feel emotional. You know what they care about is every night when we're all together, mom and dad are in that house. And whether we're cooking dinner or we're grub-hubbing dinner, we're doing dinner together. My kids have never walked in and be like, oh, dad, thank you for the upgrade of kitchen appliances that you've done for our mother. How great are you, old father? Thank you for the yard that I get to play in and throw the, no, they're like, they don't even clean out up the yard. They don't even clean the kitchen. They don't care about all that. And so we put our minds on things that we think are important. Is a profit of man to gain the whole world. Lose his soul. Here's a thought here. This could be any context. You can wander into debt, but you can't wander out. It's just like this. Again, not a criticism because, and I mean this, nobody has their weight fluctuate any more than me. I mean, it is up, down, up, down, up, down. The other day I got on the scale and my scale said to me out loud, will you just figure it out? Can you get this together? But the same way, you, you don't, you can just wander into gaining a few pounds, right? I mean, I, I do that all the time. I, how many times have I said to you since we've been married, and I put on a few pounds. I just kind of wandered into it because I love food. Is anybody with me on that? Like I, just love, like, I love food. So I wake up, I'm like, man, I need to lose a few pounds. I have never one day in 40 years of life woke up and said, oh, I lost two pounds, and I did nothing to do it. No, the only way you lose the weight is to plan a way to lose the weight. So you can wander into debt, you swipe that car, right? That's why, that's why I tell you, use cash. Cash has feeling. Cash has emotion. When that cash goes out of your hand, you feel something. A credit card doesn't have any emotion. A credit card is just a swipe and you'll figure it out later. Now, so for those of you in debt, the only way to get out is you, you gotta make a plan. You have to plan what your future is going to be. You will, let me say it like this. I hope all this is making sense. You're not going to luck your way into retirement. You're not going to luck your way into financial freedom. You're not going to luck your way into financial margins so that you can be a blessing to other people. You have to make a plan. So here's, here's just a few steps. And again, unpacking some of the Financial Peace University curriculum. But you need an emergency fund. Dave Ramsey says you need at least $1,000 cash on hand. That means in order to get there, you got to make some sacrifices, have some self-control. I would say that as the weather keeps getting better and better, have a yard sale. Sell everything to get the $1,000. Sell, sell the clothes, sell the shoes, sell the boat, sell the dog, sell your son, whatever you got to sell, sell it all to get that money. Because here's what I've learned, that when you have an emergency fund, you don't have as many emergencies. The emergencies come when you don't have the money to fix the transmission or to fix the washing machine. You got, but you, the only way to get the emergency fund is to make a plan. 
you got to create a monthly budget. Let me ask you this. Is this good today? We're all right. Surely. Make a budget. A budget, when you make a budget, a zero-based budget, that simply means every dollar has a name. So when you make a budget, you're telling your money where to go instead of your money telling you where it's going. Now if you want to eat out, you can look to see if you can afford it because you created an envelope that says eating out or whatever that is. Then you got to get out of debt. you got to make a plan. God doesn't want you to be in bondage this way. He wants you to be free, free from the debt. Free, break those chains. And it's been generational for many people. But break that. And then you got to get some savings. Okay, three to six months of expenses and savings. This may seem extreme until COVID hit. And now we saw the reality of, man, a lot of families don't have any money. you got to get some money in the savings account. And then you got to plan for retirement. How, how did these goals... How are these goals ever met? Only by a plan. Only by a plan. So if you need, if you need some coaching, you need to get in a small group, you need to get on the Financial Peace University website, you need an advisor, we'll help you. Let the church know. We'll point you in the right direction. But we're breaking generational yokes of financial bondage in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus. Listen to me, lean in. You can do this. You can do this. All right, and then the last one. And I could do a whole sermon series on this. But you have to embrace the value of giving. Of giving. Now, before many of you tune me out and say, oh, I knew he was going to ask for money. I knew you were going to talk about money. You set me up with all your comedy. You make me laugh to get my money. Okay, I don't want anything from you. But I do believe that God has something for you. I'm going to prove to you in about three minutes here exactly what I mean, that I, I don't want anything from you. But Kimberly and I, we can testify to the fact, and I'm, as a matter of fact, let me say this, and then for those of you that are skeptical of giving to the local church or living a life of generosity, I want you to hear the response of people as they testify to this truth. There is something supernatural and unexplainable about the economy of God. And this is the truth, listen to me, and then you'll hear an eruption of applause of people that are faithful in giving. Here it is. I'm telling you, you cannot outgive God. Come on, isn't that true? I'm telling you. You can't outgive God. The only, anytime we talk about money, the only time I hear kickback or negative feedback on the money talk are from people that don't give. <laughs> Nobody that is disciplined in their giving ever says, I wish you'd stop talking about money. They know that you can't outgive God. And when you put God's, God first, when you put the kingdom of God first, listen to me, something supernatural happens. God's favor is upon you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over into your lap. Look at what Malachi says. I'm just trying to teach you. He says, bring the whole tithe. What is the tithe? It's 10% of your income. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house and then God says like a middle schooler I double dog dare you try me test me listen to me the way that you're doing that and I'm, I'm making a general generalization but the way that you're doing your money and handling your money is not working normal doesn't work anymore so there's a better way there's God's way it's God's economy and he says try me and see if I will not what? 
throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough for you to store it. So listen to me, the best way for you to get out of debt is to give your way out of debt. Give your way out. Start with this principle today. Now I'm gonna prove to you the fact that I believe so much in this and that I don't want anything from you. Okay, so if, you, if you've got it figured out, you keep doing you. But if you try God, you test God, I take him at his word so much that here's the, uh, here's the opportunity. If you'll tithe for 90 days, for three months, you'll put God first in your finances and you'll tithe for 90 days. If at the end of the three months, and this is a great time to do it because this is the first of May, so it's easy to keep track with the three months, the 90 days. If at the end of the 90 days, God does not bless you exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And let me tell you, God will bless you in more ways than just money. Come on. I'm talking about relational blessing, emotional and mental blessing. I'm talking about a physical blessing, financially, okay? This isn't, listen to me. I don't give to get. I get to give. And if you'll try God for 90 days, and if God does not wow you and blow you away with his favor, listen to me, you let me know, I'll write you a check for every dollar you gave this church. I'll give it all back to you, every cent, every penny, every nickel, every dime, every dollar. Whatever you, so what do you have to lose now? Because even if you give and God doesn't do what I know he's going to do, then you've just invested into a short-term savings account. I've helped you either way. If you give for 90 days, we call it the 90-day tithe challenge. It's on the website. It's on the app. You can read up on the whole thing. 90 days. You try God, and if God doesn't blow you away, I'm telling you, you let me know. No strings attached. I'll write you a check for every penny that you gave in those 90 days. But can I tell you something? Pardon the grammar, but I ain't about to write one check because God does the miraculous I'm telling you. So if you're in bondage, if you're in bondage today, you're in financial stronghold today, the best way is to start by giving to God first. Can I tell you this? God can do more with the 90% than you can do with the 100%. Are y'all listening? And can I tell you something else? And then I'll be done. It was all God's to begin with. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from our Father above. All of it's His. He just says, give me the tithe and watch what I do. I will bless it. I will multiply it. I'll put my hand on it. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, you will see a turnaround in your family today. So here's the question. Are you willing to try God? And are you willing to trust God with your finances? Every head's bowed, every eye's closed. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your wisdom. I'm at, here's, here's what I hear. Faith without works is dead. So we have faith to believe that you're able to get us out of this financial bondage that we're in, but we have a part that we play in this. We gotta put our hands to the plow. We've gotta embrace self-control. We have to embrace sacrifice. We have to embrace planning. We have to embrace giving. And when our works meet that faith, God, you open up heaven. We come into alignment with your blessings. And so, God, I pray that this message is a 
just a challenge and a conviction to those who are trapped in bondage financially that they can be free. They can be free. I declare it over every household. I don't want to see families continue to be torn apart because of money and the stress of that. So show us, teach us, equip us to handle money God's way, God's way, not the ways of this world. Normal is not working, but to handle it your way. And I am more than confident that you will bring financial freedom to those who are willing to test you and to try you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. Come on, let's just love on the Lord just a little bit. Come on. Come on, let's just praise Jesus together. To God be the glory.